Hello and welcome to the ARC Podcast. I'm Adam Sabados. On today's episode, we talk with Michelle Van Loon. She's the author of Moments and Days, which is a new book from Nav Press. She was here at the Tyndale offices over the summer, and we got a chance to uh, dive deep into her book, which is about celebrating God's presence year-round. Her book goes through the Jewish and Christian calendars and um, relates that back to finding fresh ways to feel God's faithful presence in your life. So we had a great time chatting about food and uh, Jewish traditions and Yiddish words. It, it was a great conversation. On this episode, uh, my normal co-host, Joy, wasn't here, but we got David Geeslin, who's on the Nav Press marketing team. You may remember him. We uh, interviewed him in episode seven of The Ark. So it was great to have him on the show to uh, dive deep into this conversation. So please enjoy the episode, and you can uh, learn more about Michelle at her website, michellevanloon.com, or go to navpress.com to check out her book. Hello, and welcome to the ARC podcast. Today, I'm with a different co-host. Usually, it's with Joy, um, but Joy had to be out today, so I'm with David. Say hello. Hello. Glad to be here. And... uh, if you remember back to episode seven, we interviewed David. So go back, pause, go listen to that episode, <laughs> and then come back so you know who he is. But I won't spend too much time. Yeah. Welcome back, now that you've <laughs> watched that episode seven podcast. But it's fitting that David is here because he works on the Alliance team here at Tyndale on the, the NAV Press books. And today we're talking to Michelle Van Loon. Did I say that right? Yep. Okay. Who's the author of... Moments and Days, which is a NAV Press book that comes out in September. September. So, Michelle, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be a writer and write this book? That's a big question, but... That's a huge <laughs> question. You can answer it however you want. That is a gigantic <laughs> question. But you do have to answer it. I'm going to try. Um, I... I am a Jewish follower of Jesus. Both of my parents were Jewish, and I came to faith in him at the tail end of the Jesus movement. So if you can do some math, you can probably imagine that I'm kind of old, but super immature in other ways <laughs> to make up for it. We like that. Um, I spent the first three years after I came to faith in just reading books and listening to Christian radio because I was not allowed um, by my parents to attend church. And that was an interesting form of discipleship that made me both very hungry um, to be able to be part of fellowship and also kind of gave me a lot of questions about who I was and what I'd experienced growing up and how all those pieces fit with my newfound faith. And um, in the 40 years since I was allowed to go to church, I've spent time in lots of different kinds of congregations. I've been in Messianic congregations. I've been in plenty of non-denominational congregations um, and some churches that use formal liturgy and are connected with denominations 
that were more mainline. And out of all of that um, experience of worship, for a long time I just accepted that there were many different kinds of calendars. There was the Jewish calendar that was so familiar to me through my own growing up years. There was the um, kind of national calendar of Mother's Day, Father's Day, Flag Day, <laughs> Memorial Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter um, thrown in there. And um, that was a part of non-denominational churches. And then um, in the liturgical congregations, the churches that used formal liturgy, I was introduced to the Christian calendar. And so for a long time, I kind of walked around with all three of those calendars simultaneously cycling through my head and my days and my years. And um, in 2007, I went to Israel for the first time. My husband and I um, were able to take this trip. Um, he's on the board of a ministry that's based there and walking around Israel suddenly inhabiting a space where everyone was following the same calendar in a very intentional way um, that you sense particularly in Jerusalem, um, but really all over um, the part of the land that's got Jewish people in it, um, raised a whole bunch of new questions for me. And um, they went beyond which calendar into um, how am I marking my days and what does an eternal God have to do with the time and seasons that I'm living in? So that's my summary. That, I'm going to take a breath now. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the book is kind of structured like a calendar in a way. There's part one and part two. Mm -hmm. Part one is the Jewish calendar and then part two is the Christian calendar. Did you think of that idea first and then that's kind of the outline um, you took to write the book or did that to kind of go through each uh, point on the calendar um, did that come later did you come up with how did that idea come about if I can take one step back um, I am a part-time seminary student and because Jewish grandmothers should go to seminary is my motto <laughs> and um, <laughs> right and they're both laughing for, for you listening at home um, or in your car or while. If you remember one thing from this podcast. <laughs> yeah, just remember that motto. Well, um, I was in a church history class, and these questions were burning in my mind, and they didn't really have much to do with the period of history in which I was tasked to write a paper. So I asked the instructor if I could do a little actual serious seminary kind of research into how we got from one calendar to the other because at the beginning, Jesus and almost all of his first followers were Jewish and they were living on that calendar and you can read the Gospels and see that Jesus was very intentional about being a part of that, he gave he gave us this calendar, and so I wondered how we got from here to there. And so the professor was nice enough 
to let me kind of go off road with the subject and that was actually where this structure came from because it actually travels in time with both calendars in the order in which they kind of came to be. Um, we, uh, for Passover, was it? We did a um, thing here at Tyndale where um, Justin Cron came in and mm -hmm. went through the Seder mm -hmm. meal with us and uh, it, and it, there all the different steps and how each food and each action represents uh, something. Is that kind of how every Jewish feast is? They're really very okay. Well, that's <laughs> that's okay. That's why I wrote yeah. this book in part because half the book talks about the the Jewish festal calendar and historical calendar, and half the book talks about the Christian calendar. Some of the and Christian of, ones I barely knew that much about. That's so. if you go to a church where it's Mother's Day, Father's Day, Thanksgiving, right. Easter, Christmas, um, those are those other times and movements and seasons are not um, something that most people think about, although Advent and Lent are having a bit of a resurgence even in non-denominational churches. So anyway, where were we? Justin Krohn. Justin Krohn, um, his last name is spelled K-R-O-N, so he's got a website and he speaks all over the country. And so you guys were really blessed to have him come and and introduce you to that. I think that most educators know that kids remember best when they participate, they learn best, not through this medium of just hearing alone, but of ritual and, and tasting and touching, all of our senses are involved. And you remember what you do, you remember that most of all. And so these holidays, have come to have that kind of participatory nature to them. So it's a great learning opportunity, the, the Jewish holidays. Interestingly, the Christian holidays, especially the ones that kind of emerged from the Jewish calendar, have participation, although not quite as colorful as the ritual in the Jewish calendar. but. Um, because we're, we're all supposed to be liturgy as the work of the people. And so these, these movements of liturgy give us a chance to participate together. It's funny that you talk about learning and remembering by doing things. As soon as I started talking about the Seder, I almost got the taste of, uh, what's the sour? Uh, uh, the horror, the horseradish? Yes. yes. See? See like how a, it works? Everyone, <laughs> listen to this. This is very good. I got like a shoot of lightning up yeah. there. See, it lights up a different <laughs> part of our brain. So that's good. And of all the things to remember, that that might actually not be the... <laughs> there's other scene. parts. I remember, yeah, I remember the other parts too. Yeah. It just came back to me. But I, that's, forget, I hadn't thought about it since then. But yeah. Isn't it? See how that works in memory and, and mm -hmm. in... The collective memory, I think, um, of the Jewish people, and certainly in the church in their own way, you do something year after year after mm -hmm. year, and it, it kind of, it marks you in a way that 
the temporal parts of culture kind of have to fit into that framework, if that makes sense. So, uh, Another thing you talk about, and feel free to jump in. Just jump in. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Come on. The water is fine. There's I'm no water to, in here. I'm not trying to call you out for being quiet. Oh, no. I'm, I'm just queuing up different conversation topics. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, something else you talk about is the gift of time. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about that a little bit? That's not really a question, but... <laughs> kind of, it's it, a big theme. What is the, the gift of time? Yeah, what what is, the gift, is of time? the gift of Alex? <laughs> <laughs> That's the five hundred pointer. The, yes, the the five hundred dollar question. What is the gift of time? Um, there's, it's kind of amazing if you think about Genesis one, um, to imagine that there was eternity before there was a time stamp, you know, and that we start in finite time, that God's created us in finite time. And so a part of the book um, offers a little bit of a, a meditation on that that gives a framework because it's not just these special days and seasons, but we are creatures, created ones that were um, made to inhabit time. And um, by a God who was speaking to us about eternal life. And so that tension and that contrast is something that I think these special days help us to kind of tap into in a way that we might not just by doing daily Bible study. You remembered horror. And in the, the word is um, word for bitter horseradish that is used as part of the whole Seder recounting of God's deliverance that is, um, it's meant to help people remember the, the bitterness of slavery and what it was to be enslaved. And so um, that kind of immersion into participating reminds us that every year, you know, I've, I've gone to Seders, I'm 57, and almost every year there's been a Seder. And so that gets repeated. And it reminds me that there's a bigger story than just what's happening right now or what I'm having for dinner, although I'm thinking about that too, <laughs> um, even as we speak. So, Well, I'm tempted to use that as a segue to, you have a, a lot of different recipes in the back of the, in the book included. So I'm going to call you out, Michelle, and ask you, what is your favorite recipe, not of all time, but from the back, from the, in, in the book, from Moments and Days? The brisket? There's a brisket recipe in there. Mm -hmm. and, uh, <laughs> see, we should be talking about food. We're taping this late afternoon. <laughs> We're all suffering from low blood sugar or the need of a Kit Kat bar or something. And... Um, that brisket recipe, um, uh, my friend has made it for actually our Seder meal the last few years that we've joined together with her at her home north of Chicago. And I had my own brisket recipe and I discarded it because this one in the back of the book was more delicious. Impressive. So it's just Debbie's brisket? Debbie's brisket. This, Debbie's brisket. This sounds good. I want some. Yeah, serves eight or more. 
Well, brisket's a big honking piece of meat, so. The the one that was, I couldn't wrap my mind around, was the, the ginger molasses crinkles. Those are delicious. I'm trying to picture what a crinkle is, but. The... These are cookies, and they puff up when they're baked, and then as they cool, the top gets kind of crinkly. And if you, if some of your listeners may be familiar with those peanut butter homemade peanut butter cookies, can sometimes get that same kind of look if you don't use a fork to smash them down. I like to cook. I had to include a few recipes. So everything in here actually looks really good. There's nothing in here I wouldn't eat. Maybe the the fish. That fish is delicious. Not a fish. Oh, I don't know. You just maybe you would. Maybe you would. How do you pronounce that? Crème. It's the same ch like in Hanukkah. (laughs) So if you have like a little bit of phlegm in your throat, or you've eaten a lot of really sweet food, that. That that ought to translate nicely onto the podcast for your listeners. <laughs> is is she clearing her throat? No. <laughs> She's making fish. Yeah. Before we started the podcast, I we were talking about how in college I was in Fiddler on the Roof, and um, this we had a Jewish person come in and help us with the pronunciations. So mm-hmm. maybe that's a podcast idea for you. You could start. Something with uh... yes, there's a glossary in the back of the book because in addition to with pronunciation with, oh, that's, that's with nice. my Chicago style pronunciation, <laughs> so I someone may challenge my particular version of how I say these things, but um, the part of what I was very grateful to be able to do in the book was to not just give information but kind of weave in a little bit of of, um, devotional thought and uh, and appropriate bits of my own story that kind of highlight uh, that this is not a memoir by any means but that kind of adds some additional flavor um, and and spice to the stories and um, just to be able to give a picture. One of the things that was most surprising to me, um, I didn't start out when I started writing the book to come up with this kind of um, structure, but as I reflected, as I was writing the conclusion and reflected on each of the different holidays and kind of the approach that I took writing about them, I realized that I'd covered almost all of the classic spiritual disciplines. And that was kind of, I didn't start out that way. Um, that wasn't my intention. That would have been a very clever thing to be able to, <laughs> to do. But um, I was grateful because it adds a different layer that would make this book useful to somebody who's doing Sunday school uh, or adult Christian ed or formation, um, even among with their family or family and friends. So that was going to be my my next question. Oh, sorry. Uh, so sorry. Of, so just to <laughs> give like a little preview, and then you'll have to get the book to see what the rest of them are. So <laughs> to say Sabbath invites us into discipline of rest. Passover invites us into a discipline of communion. 
it goes on and on. You list the different uh, mm-hmm. spiritual disciplines. And then kind of uh, where you were saying there also, um, you talked about how you could go through this as an individual or as a, a group or even as an entire church. Mm-hmm. Have you had any experience with that or any plans to... to I hope to. I'm... I'm willing i'm do, i do some speaking on these topics and um especially people who know me or know my husband and i um he even though our last name is very dutch sounding his mom is jewish i met him at a bible study and i never imagined i'd be bringing home a nice jewish guy to meet my jewish parents <laughs> <laughs> as a believer i i just <laughs> That was kind of a surprise, but people who know us um, will, especially at Passover time, because that's the time that kind of most intersects or aligns with the Christian calendar most years. It didn't this year, but and it's certainly in theme, um, it, it fits into Holy Week. And um, so people, as long as I've, been attending church most people have questions or they'd like a little demo it's not quite as fancy as what Justin Crone does because he does it all the time but um, you know people have questions and that leads to other questions and I'm glad to share what I know yeah I was curious about so in the book you you talk about Sabbath and the Sabbath and I feel like there's a lot of people talk about the Sabbath in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. but you sort of describe it as it is a gift. It's something to be sort of received. So can you unpack that just a little bit in terms of sort of your view on the Sabbath and how we should interpret it? Mm-hmm. I, to, to be honest, I, this is an evolving question um, in our lives. What does it look like? When? How? Um, I don't think we've, we've landed on a perfect answer going to Israel the first time, that was part of what shifted my thinking about calendars was to see that everyone, even people that weren't particularly religious, were had stopped every Friday night. Jerusalem went from loud to very still and quiet. And the sense that everybody together was in this got me thinking about Sabbath in a way that I hadn't before and recognizing that it comes to us um, as a community. It was never given to us as individuals. I was on church, the staff of a church, and um, the pastor said, well, Monday is your Sabbath. You guys all, you know, Sunday's our work day, and so Monday's your day off, and so that's your Sabbath. And I've heard other people pick and choose, you know, I'm going to take a digital Sabbath this week um, and all of those things are um, they're active and individual in a way that the language of Shabbat the Sabbath is not it's a communal practice and so um, I, I interviewed someone who had written about the Sabbath a few years ago and she and her family were very intentional to gather every week for a meal 
and invite strangers in and that that kind of marked the beginning of their Sabbath. They used the next day as um, a day to be unplugged, to be out in nature. It was all of the kind of ideas of things that would be great first steps for people to step into Sabbath. Um, I would love to see more church communities talking about this so that we could figure out how to do it together because that's the other component. So I hope, does that answer your question? Oh, definitely. The, I just had the probably unrealistic view of going to any major metropolitan downtown area and just on a Friday night and mm -hmm. <laughs> hearing, <laughs> hearing it shut down. <laughs> it's, it, it is, it's like nothing I've ever experienced and I wasn't even looking for it, but I was mm -hmm. like, all of a sudden, it's quiet. You could see tumbleweeds. Not that there's tumbleweeds <laughs> in Jerusalem, but you could you could get that sense that you could shoot a cannon up the street, um, and there's no people. So in a in a safe way, not not in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. That might not be the best metaphor. <laughs> I take it back. But um, it it got me thinking afresh. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're starting to reach the end of our okay. time here. Do you have like a, uh, elevator pitch or something that, uh, we can take with us to, to try to get, uh, people interested in, in this book? If it's not, if you don't have one, that's okay. Just, I'll edit this out. I'm a woman. I know this, this is surprising, but I have so many words that <laughs> one sentence seems so difficult. But um, I believe that for all of the space in our church that we talk about time, or that we talk about finances, that we talk about relationships, um, we have not explored to the extent that I think would be healthy to consider the the days and seasons, the, the way that we use time, and I think this book is a an invitation to all of us to step into that because that is our one non-renewable, non-repairable resource and gift that God's given us. Well, Moments and Days is the book. You can go to navpress.com or where can people find you online? You can find me at michellevanloon.com I also am a blogger on the Pathios Evangelical channel. Right. My blog title there is Pilgrim's Road Trip. And um, come and hang out. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I'd love to continue this conversation. Awesome. We'll put those links in the description of this episode so people can find you. And thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you. Shalom, everyone. <laughs>